So we're here in terms of the NHL season. I can never really figure out, <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I don't care at all about the games they play in Europe. So it's like the Sharks, Sharks are involved. They're like, put the Sharks up there. Every year, it's like, yeah. And then they sent Roman Yossi out there, I guess. I think it was the Preds. But like, I, I, I did a whole expansive deep dive over the last, I would say, three days. Since the Blue Jays were out and I've had to bury myself in um, anything other than Blue Jays content, I've just been burying myself in everything on NHL, right? And I still, I'm not even sure if the, those games are for realsies. <laughs> I don't, I couldn't be bothered. I could not be bothered. Like, has the NHL season started or is this, so that's, it has, right? It's underway. It's those games have counted, right? Those games count. That stinks. Don't start. Okay. Here's my tip to the NHL. Don't start the season out at a weird time in Europe when the Jays are in the postseason. Like, nobody knows what's going on. Here's the facts, though, and people are going to be get pissed off at this one. The NHL season doesn't start until the Leafs play. Like, everybody knows that. Up here, that's just the way it is. Until the Canadian teams drop the puck, doesn't matter. So please don't send the Canadian teams over there, even though I do think they sent Ottawa one year, because Carlson, because they love sending, like, big Swedish stars over there to show off, get everybody in the building. Anyways, um, yeah, the NHL season. It's underway, apparently. apparently. We missed the opening day of the NHL season. We just blew past. But let's be real. Today is the real day. Lightning Rangers, Golden Knights Kings. And I'm going to have Jeff Merrick on today. And, and hopefully he'll indulge a few of my, uh, my brain pickings. Because I love getting Merrick on. Because he... he, he has a different approach to a lot of the NHL. Sometimes frustratingly so. Sometimes where I go, okay, just relax. Just just give me something a little bit closer to. But I think he always usually tells the truth. You notice how I said oh, oh, always usually? <laughs> uh, okay, so here's a couple things I'm excited for this NHL season. Number one, who is going to pop as the exciting team? Because right now when I was doing everything, Ottawa is clearly the, the sexy front runner. But... I'm just, they've already lost their goaltender for like five to six weeks. And sure, maybe Anton Forsberg is the guy. But it almost feels like a little bit too much hype. Did anybody really lose it for Claude Giroux during the Panthers run? Wasn't the Panthers supposed to be the Stanley Cup champions last year? They went on and got Giroux. I just, I'm a little suspicious of it. And Dabrinkit is awesome. And I think that was a fleecing. That was an amazing trade. But their blue line is pretty thin. They just, they're not even necessarily a playoff team. I kind of think that it could be the Rangers, especially if they emerge as the Patrick Kane suitors. It kind of feels like that was always the destiny and how that ends up working out is going to be great. But there isn't one team to me that stuck out. Kind of the Flames for me. I'm really interested in the Flames because they've had some, some turnover that everyone thought they were dead. Everyone went, the Flames are dead. They are toast. And then they turned around and had arguably the best offseason of any Canadian team. But, yeah, who is going to be my center ice team, as I like to call them, the, the ones that I check in on most when I'm, I'm not watching the Leafs? And right now I'm kind of feeling like it's going to be the Flames and it's going to be my guy Nazem Kadri. Number two, how does parity work this year? Because it certainly feels like this is going to be a very strange season. I don't know if anyone is amazing. 
I know everyone is drooling over Colorado, rightfully so, based on what they showed us in the Stanley Cup Finals last year, but they lost dudes. Everyone liked to crap on Darcy Kemper, and I get it. Replacing him with Frank Hoos, who had a really good regular season last year, and maybe getting Gorgiev to play more games because there's a theory that the more he plays, the better he is, that that works out for Colorado. But, yeah, they lost Burakovsky's super underrated guy, lost Kadri, and, yeah, they got some question marks in net. I'm just not as convinced they're as dominant. I think the Lightning are done winning this year. They can have a, a comeback season, but I just think the toll is going to be too great on these guys. We were talking about Tampa Bay last year, like, oh, they're not going to be able to do this. Then they flipped the switch. They did great. They beat Toronto. I do think that them getting the Maple Leafs, I've, stand, I've stood by this the entire time, them getting the Leafs was the best thing for them because the Leafs were the number one team that they were going to get up for. They beat them. They go on a run. It's great. They have the best goaltender on the planet, one of the best goaltenders who ever lived. I get it. They're always going to be in the hunt. I just think that there's too much attrition there. I think they're too old. I think they've lost some pieces. And I just don't see a dominant team is my point. I don't see a league that isn't exactly what it always seemed to want to be, which is with the salary cap and one that's been flat for a bunch of years, which is a lot of teams that have things you can squint at and say, that's awesome, that's fun. And then a lot of, meh, look at every roster right now. I don't follow hockey as closely as Jeff Merrick does, but there's a lot of dudes on teams who I've never heard of before. <laughs> like a startling amount. When I was doing prep, I'm going, I don't know who a lot of the bottom sixes are, a lot of bottom pairings are, and a lot of teams. And then lastly, I'm curious how parity relates to the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Because that's going to be a big story this year. And it's, this is the time of year where everybody's excited because your team could be great and blah, 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 blah. I remember what it was like heading into that Leaf season gunning for Connor McDavid. I remember what it was like gunning for Austin Matthews. And this guy is in that class of player. And how is parity going to affect teams that want to just tank when there's a lot of teams that are just meh and bad on an every, on any given night? Is it going to become a real talking point? Or is it going to be something that we don't actually end up focusing too much on? Jeff Merrick of 32 Thoughts, the Jeff Merrick Show. Again, uh, one of my favorite guests. Uh, a great guy to talk to about a lot of these different things. What's up, Jeffy? How are we doing, buddy? You, you read that exactly as I wrote it on the card. That's very nice of you, Jeffy. Yeah, Thank you're you, welcome. sir. I can read. <laughs> yeah, I know, but a lot of people don't think that about me. So, Alice, I know you're, there's a there's a lot of new faces around the NHL. One that I want you to start paying attention to. Yeah. Elliot and I were talking about him on the podcast the other day. Elmer Soderblom. Yeah, the the giant. Oh man, six foot eight. Is he six foot <laughs> oh, eight or is he six foot six? If uh, Elliot doesn't know, I I don't I know. I don't know. Yeah. There, they some some you have him listed at six eight. Some you have him listed at six six. He's a big dude. Yeah. He's a real big dude. Anyway, yeah, there's a there, there's a there's a lot of new names around the around the league this year. But I, th- I think your point's a really a really interesting one. I think it's a really good one too. Like there's no like Colorado last year were just dominant, like ripped mm-hmm. through the playoffs, like you know hogging to truffles. Like it was just spectacular the way they did it. Um, they have taken a small step back. I still don't think that they've taken as big a step back as would be necessary to not win the Stanley cup. Like yeah. I can still see them. I can still see them repeating. Um, but the I mean, let, like, let, let's, let's just make a list here. You and me. So how many teams do you think have a legit shot at winning the Stanley cup? So okay. in the West, I'd go Colorado. I'd go Edmonton. And that might be it. Okay. Maybe Cal, maybe, Cal, maybe Calgary. Okay. I love this. Maybe, maybe Calgary in the East. I would go 
Tampa, and you and I differ on Tampa because I still believe it's the fool that bets against Tampa. Yep. I'd still go Tampa, uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Mm, I'm still hot and cold on the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup. I think they can win a couple of rounds again, but things like last year have to really break their way in spectacular fashion. So really, I mean, for me, and maybe my view is too narrow here, and maybe you can, if you squint hard enough, you can make an outside chance for the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's only really a handful of teams, again, we haven't dropped the puck yet in North America, mm-hmm. that, that we can see winning the Stanley Cup. Okay, so I'm so glad that you started here. Okay. Um, because a lot of times, uh, listen, I love having you on. But I'll have like five big questions prepared for you, and then you'll throw me off course, and then I'll end up in, and, and, and we'll finish our discussion, and I'll go, we can talk about anything I want to talk about. Yeah, 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 but yeah, this is sorry. one of the things I actually want to talk to you about. I'm very surprised that this seems to be the consensus, right? Okay, I'm with you. Like, Colorado opens up as the favorites. My point is not that I don't think they're the favorites this year, it's that. Uh, they're not as good as they were last year. And, and I just don't expect them I agree. to be able to survive well, injuries in the same way that they do. Maybe some guys take steps, whatever. Wait, just let me finish this thought because I know you want to defend Colorado. But <laughs> everyone seems to be having this consensus of like, I think there are only four teams that can win or five teams that can win. And I, and I keep going, all right. Like this is, seems to be a big talking point in the hockey community. And to me, like this yeah. ties into what I was discussing with parody earlier. I, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way. Like, I look at a bunch of these teams and I go, I, I could see a way that they could win. I like Calgary. I-, I think that they're right there. I think that there's a little tiny bit of inflating Edmonton because we so desperately want to see Connor McDavid have his moment on the biggest stage. But, yeah, I, I-, I watched a lot of Jack Campbell. He's very good. But he didn't steal the Maple Leafs a lot of games, and maybe that's all they needed was a minor upgrade. I still have questions about their blue line. I think that Vegas yep. could still get back there. Um, I squint sometimes and look at Minnesota. Like, there are just teams where I say to myself, St. Louis, similarly, right there. I guess I'm just kind of, like, higher about the ceiling of the middle because I don't think that the, the ceiling of the great teams is all that high. And I don't know if there's just one team is going to necessarily just like run away with it. Like, no, it would not shock me if Toronto won. It wouldn't shock me if Washington somehow found a way or Pittsburgh had a rejuvenation. Although it's like, I know I'm stretching for some, I know I'm stretching for some of these, Jeff. I know I really am. I guess my point is just like, I don't believe that there's this huge difference between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. See, the the Rangers are the one that I I flip-flop on. Because I love the goaltender, uh, I love the top six, uh, I, li- I love the Vincent Trocheck edition, and I love it on the power play, and we'll see them tonight against Tampa. But they still bleed chances. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like they played, they they played fast and loose. They they, they got a lot of a lot of luck, and Chris Kreider had an all-time career season um, dining out on the power play, more, more specifically. So here, here, your point's a good one. The top teams have taken a small a small step back specifically yeah. Colorado and the middle teams specifically in the west have gotten a little bit better mm-hmm. like the Los Angeles Kings add Kevin Fiala for example comes over from Minnesota he's going to shoulder a lot of the offensive load like what's the one thing we've been saying about the Los Angeles Kings the last few years who's going to score the goals like that's why they went out and got Victor Arvidsson that's why they've gone out and gotten Kevin Fiala and that's why they're playing these guys above a lot of the prospects they have. And Los Angeles Kings have a really deep prospect pool, but they want goals right now. They want players right now. They've got 
uh, a little bit better. Um, the teams in the, 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 the teams in the East, I mean, you look at Carolina, I think that they've taken a significant step here. They subbed out, they subbed out Anthony D'Angelo and brought in Brent Burns. That's an upgrade, no? Pretty yeah. big, pretty big one too. How old you is Brent Burns in, now? Is he thirty-eight? Oh, I know. He, I know. He's like a, could you, thirty. Is a thirty-seven? Okay. I, yeah. But I you, just but you, but you, you, you watch. No, you, you watch him play though. Uh-huh. Like I, I know, there's always going to be outliers, and you see yourself. Well, aging curves. It, it, it's a real thing. Like at a, at, a, at a certain point. But if you watch Brent Burns at all in the preseason, the guy looks great um, and takes great care of himself when he's playing. You know, with Jacob Slavin, the best defensive defenseman in the NHL. Here's here's the the, the only thing that I wanted to raise about about Colorado was. You know, they lose Kadri, they lose Burakovsky, and I'm glad you mentioned Burakovsky because I think that is significant. But this is another year of experience for Kale McCarr. And you already have yeah. Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog. You know, go right down the list. Like Val- Valeria Nachushkin, uh, Devon Taves, uh, what we saw out of Bowen Byram last year, and now he's got that year under his belt. And this guy's looking like another super stud defenseman. Uh, for the for the Colorado Jeff, Avalanche. you just said and, all those names, and now I feel like Sam, my argument's and, gone. They're too no, good. Hang on, and and, and 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 Sam Girard. Like we always yeah. forget about Samuel Girard. He's so like, small. He didn't, he didn't play, and you but can't see him. The guy is awesome. The guy is fantastic. I mean, the questions about Colorado is: Can Alex Newhook ha- handle the second line center hole? Yep. And if not, do they have to go out and get someone? And if they do, is that player Jonathan Taves? That's hot. So I know a hot that's, question. A hot that's a hot that's a question. Hot, that's a hot one. So you have Kill McCarr, who, you know, this year could win the Hart Trophy. Yeah. Right. I think he this will. This one, I, I think he will. I think he, I, I think it's Connors, but I, I I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna turn my nose up at the idea of Kill McCarr winning the winning the Hart Trophy. Mm-hmm. I always say this, like, if Connor McDavid were a defenseman, he'd be Kale McCarr. Like that's what we're seeing right now yeah. with how this defenseman plays and, and, and what he's doing with that position. And the other thing about Makar is too, we all look at Makar and go, Oh, the skating, oh the edge work, oh the traps he sets, all of it. That guy hits like a freight train just because he's such a great skater. Like he really is the perfect defenseman for this era and the defenseman for right now, where you're starting to see teams and you'll see, you know, I'll see Arbor Jack guy, you know, when he gets called back up, play for the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow. Um, Alexander Romanov, you know, just laid waste to the New York Rangers over the weekend. He's been dropping guys on the regular. Moritz Sider just won the call the trophy, and the accent there is on physicality. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks go out and grab Stillman because they don't want to get pushed around on the back end anymore. Like, there seems to be more of an accent now being placed on physicality, and McCarr's got that in his bag of tricks as well. So I, I know they lost Kadri. I, I know they, they lost Burakovsky. But it's a year older and more mature and better for Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram. I, I, I still think that there's plenty of there there for, for Colorado. Yeah. Like I said, I think that they're the favorites. I just look at them as a team that lost some stuff and still has a couple of question marks. And if we're going to do the, the thing, goalie, the goalie, yeah, I, didn't, exactly. I, didn't, I didn't talk about the goalie. I didn't, you, yeah. you mentioned him off the top. Yeah. The, the goalie, the goalie is a big one. Now Colorado has demonstrated that they don't need elite level goaltending to win the Stanley cup. I know it's always easier when you do have it, but they are. I mean, listen, the Maple Leafs are the same way. Yeah. Like outside of October and November, like did Jack Campbell have anything resembling a spectacular season? No, quite the opposite. No. But the Maple Leafs' very underrated defense was able to, to to cover over a lot of those mistakes. Yeah, and I, and I want to go there in a little bit, but just to kind of finish the discussion about parity is, 
Um, I, I do think that this is what the NHL wants. Uh, I was listening to your last podcast, and I think that you made a lot of great points about some of the teams that we get excited for now. Um, they're probably a little further away than we wish, right? And, you know, you outlined Detroit as one of them where I, I got very excited about Detroit, and I, I keep looking at them as, wow, they develop, and they, they, if, if Iserman's signing these guys, then he thinks that they're there. They think that they're close. And I think you made the point that they're a little further away. I guess, to me, it's just more, there are probably more than four teams to me that can win. There are probably more than five. I still think that Colorado is a, a favorite. I just don't know if they're as dominant. Um, I don't know if I would be as shocked if they got knocked out of the playoffs this year because they couldn't get stops from Frank Kuz or Gorgiev who ends up shoring up yeah. the net there. Um, I yeah. think that uh, some of the top teams are getting a little overrated. And, and the team that you said, Carolina, they're my most overrated team. Because their goaltending really? is still yes, because their goaltending is still suspect, man. I'm I'm as big of a Freddie Anderson apologist as there, there's ever been in this city. Like that's yep. a fact. <laughs> that is a hard fact. I have apologized for Freddie Anderson more than anyone else. I I've relitigated his tenure with the Toronto Maple Leafs a million times over. That playoff run last year, his inability to get healthy and the murkiness around it, that still looms over that franchise to me. I'm not convinced about their center depth. Um, I think that, yeah, Burns is 39, and they already lost Pacioretty to an Achilles injury, and people are saying he's coming back, but I don't know. What's the track record of guys looking themselves after that? Like, how long did it take Carlson to look like himself yep. again, right? Like, it's just yep. there are bigger question marks with them than I think people want to believe, and sometimes this is just sort of the thing, I think the advantage of being a, a smaller market team that has players that don't get enough shine like Slavin is that generally the hockey community wants to push them a little bit forward because they recognize that those guys don't get enough love. And so I think that they're sort of in that class. Whereas I think that the Flames are the team that's being overlooked the most because people mm. don't want to give the team that got shelled by the Oilers last year, that lost Kachuk, that lost Johnny Hockey, and had Markstrom deliver one of the worst choke jobs that, what, when's the last time you saw somebody choke like that? Like Flurry? It was bad. He, uh, Edmonton is, is Mark's from script tonight. Yeah. It's and just... listen, we, we, Ellie and I talked to him when we were in Paris for the NHL player, the European tour. Yeah. And he, he talked about that. He's like, <sighs> I, I got, I got to find out. Like he, it's, it's bizarre. Eh? Like he just has this thing about Edmonton and we saw last year in the playoffs. And that's you a, mean huge, pressure? a huge mental block for him. Yeah. That's part of yeah. it. But I mean, he's faced, faced pressure before. Like this guy's an exceptional goaltender, but he's got an Edmonton thing. It's, it's, it's so bizarre. Um, to the Carolina Hurricanes, though, though you're you're right about the goaltending between Frederick Anderson and and Antti Ranta. The big problem there is the hospital bracelet. Like that's it. Like I think that Peter Kachetkov is going to be a really good goalie in the NHL one day. That day is not today, uh -huh. and that day was not last year in in the playoffs. I think he's a really talented athlete, but he's not there yet. And I can't help but but wonder, you know, what happens in that series against the Rangers if they have healthy goaltending. You know, do they do they end up making it again to play and, and play against the Tampa Bay Lightning? Um, a couple other things: uh, Max Pacioretty and the Achilles. You know, there's the Carlson injury, and then there's you know the Leon Draisaitl Achilles injury last year in the LA series. And I still, I, to me, it's one of the command performances we've seen in the playoffs in the last ten years. And that's Leon Draisaitl playing through an Achilles tear. And he looks, he's in agony on the ice, and he goes to the bench. He looks like he's screaming for mommy, and he, then he just jumps right back up and plays another ship. Like, was he a stationary player? Yeah. Was it awkward watching him get up and down the ice? Yeah. 
when he did it. Uh, I mean, all, all I'm saying about Pacioretty's Achilles is that I don't know enough information about his specifically, what his, you know, what his rehab is going to be like and what he's going to be like after, because I don't think that all Achilles injuries are the same. It's a great point. Um, I'm very excited because I, I think I can move on to... Oh, but wait, one, one, one other thing, too, I got well, to be complete here for your listeners. Yeah. Uh, the, big, the big question mark is still, can Yasperi Kotkaniemi take the second-line center spot mm-hmm. previously held by Vincent Trocek? Because if he can't, then they're gonna, Don Waddell has to go inside and find himself a second-line center. Uh, we do expect Seth Jarvis to take another step. You're still waiting for Martin Natchez to pop. Uh, really talented hockey players there. Jarvis already showed last season how good he can be. I I still think like, with you, I think the goaltending is the, the goaltending health is an issue, and the second line center hole is a big one for me in Carolina too. Exactly. And again, I'd want to make it very clear. My points here are not that these are bad teams, or I think that they're fraudulent teams. It's simply that there are a couple of teams that seem to be a little bit too consensusy for me. From the mm. the I I'll steal something from a friend, Dan Hanzus. He does the football cognoscente, and I'm saying it from the hockey cognoscente. There's a little bit of, eh, all right, okay. A lot of people seem to be very, very high on Carolina. I don't see a big difference between them and a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. In fact, I think that the Leafs are a better team, and I'm not exactly Mr. Thinks the Leafs are ever going to win. Okay, so I want to ask you this before I ask you my Leafs question. Okay. Because you're the guy to ask this question to. Oh, boy. So... I mentioned in my things I'm most excited for this year. One of them is how parity is going to affect tanking because, yeah, <laughs> if you're an NHL team, I want Connor Bedard. I desperately yeah. want Connor Bedard. And we've had some good prospects. But last year, like, last year, there was no consensus at all. There were three guys people debated between. This is not that year. This is a, no. a clear-cut number one potential superstar that we're looking at here. If there was a draft today... And I'm not talking about you're trying to win a Stanley Cup. It's just teams are picking based on age, salary, potential, ability, all of those different things. How many picks until we would get to Connor Bedard if everyone was on the table? The only two guys, or I'll say three, that it's pretty clear that McCarr, that McDavid, and Matthews would 100% be taken ahead of him. How many more guys for you would be taken ahead of Bedard right now based on those parameters? There's, there's still, there's still a lot. Okay. There's, there's still a lot of them. Like uh, he, he's going to come in and eventually he's going to be a superstar in the NHL. But man, the NHL is hard. Like all four lines, everybody can skate. Like Yuri Slavkovsky, and again, I'm not comparing Yuri Slavkovsky or Shane Wright uh, to Connor Bedard because that's 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 still a different class. But I mean, I mean Yuri Slavkovsky, I mean even Yuri Slavkovsky's general manager can't use. They said, yeah, it was underwhelming preseason. You know, there's still some things that Shane Wright needs to to be able to, to do. I'm not sure if you watch many Seattle games and as talented as Shane Wright is, like it, it looked like at times he was overwhelmed just at how fast and how good everybody is. And that includes fourth line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm always hesitant to put a prospect in the NHL mix just because like, I, just because of the adjustment that it takes. Like I remember like you, know, you throw Nathan McKinnon's name out there. Like when Nathan McKinnon first started and it didn't take him very long. Like I think it only took Nathan McKinnon I think about 40 games of his rookie season until he got it. And he's a freak. And so is Connor Bedard. But McKinnon, it still took 40 games until he finally was able to start figuring out, you know, the pace and how to play and, and all of that. And he did really start to turn into the Nathan McKinnon that we now see until really the beginnings of it. We're at the 40-game mark of his, of his first season. So there's always a growth curve 
mm-hmm. there's always a you know the, the, there's there's a there's a mountain that you have to climb. So I'm I'm always hesitant, even with someone as talented and you know just like supremely skilled as Connor Bedard. Man, NHLers are good. Like they're really really good. No doubt. It's a special, special league. I I don't know that I that I'd put him in the top mix right now, but he is going to walk. It's it's, it's it's it is Connor Bedard. Like he's the number one guy. There's a couple. I mean, Matt Mitchkoff. I know he's got some some uh, some KHL uh, contracts to fulfill first. Uh, but Adam Fantilli in Michigan looks great as well. So I know it's the race for number one for Connor Bedard. But the the quote unquote consolation prizes are really good too, JD. Sure. Sure. I just, you're, you're going to be able to draft him as an 18 year old, I believe. And you get him for those three years on the rookie deal, then bridging him and just knowing that you're going to end up having him for essentially the next potentially 10 years. I, I wonder if a franchise would look at like, if a, if you're Detroit, would you rather take him or Mo Snyder? Like, which one of those two things are you going to do if it's, you know, the decision is, is made to you right now today. And, and I just, I keep thinking that if this guy is that prospect, if he's in that class of those players where, you know, it's the, you're tanking for this guy, maybe some of them would do it. Um, I have one so, more. Hang on. Here, here, yeah. here, here's the question then. Yep. Uh, the first time or all the times that Arizona plays Chicago, you know, oh, it's yeah. that I'm most interested in the shot on goal. Oh yeah. <laughs> Was he really like, Five three or eight six shots. Of if I'm Arizona, this is the whole point about the arena: is that we keep going like the ice isn't good. We have to forfeit again. We're sorry. Like it's just we we're sorry again. It just it melted here. It's hot. It's really hard to keep ice here at this yeah, uh, arena. Forfeit. Tough. Tough. Are you allowed to forfeit? Be playing okay. Yeah, because oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you have, you, listen. If if you're over the salary cap, you have yeah. to you forfeit the game. So there you go. Then maybe that's what the Leafs' whole strategy was. Is that this was their their way? <laughs> this was this is what it was all about. They wanted to get here. They were four dollars over. They got no wiggle room. And then, boom, all of a sudden, they're forfeiting games. They'll take one season back just to get Connor Bedard. That, okay, I want just this one. We'll quick, and then we'll let you go. I know you got to run. Um, you can't all say good. playoff all success good. because that's too obvious, and you're Jeff Merrick. Um, which Leaf storyline this season interests you the most? Matt Murray. Mm. Matt Murray. Um, you know, um, Kevin Woodley, the goalie whisperer, as we call him. So Kevin runs In Goal Magazine, writes at NHL.com. Yeah. I'm sure you've talked to him before. He's just like flat really, out really, flat really one. interesting thoughts on oh, Matt Murray. Man, he's awesome. So yeah. you know his his point about Matt Murray and like goalies know this, the industry knows this. Is if you look at Matt Murray now and you look at Matt Murray when he won those Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins, he's a different goaltender because the way he played with Pittsburgh so many years ago, the way the goaltending has changed now, you can't play that way that he used to play anymore. And so he's gone about this process of completely overhauling his game, how he sets up, post-play, all of it. And you started to see it last year when he got sent down to Belleville mm-hmm. when he was playing with the Ottawa Senators and when he came back. Like, J.D., did he not look like a profoundly different netminder? And the results all of a sudden started to show up once again mm-hmm. for Matt Murray before the injury. Now, the question becomes, it's really easy to, go, to fall back into your, your old habits. Um, can Matt Murray stick with this new way that he's playing when, and if you base it on the preseason, you know, you have that success. How can you not want to keep playing this way? Yep. Or does he go back to the, uh, to the old habits? Um, I don't just like him because he looks like Arthur Shelby. Um, 
from my from I don't even my, watch that show, and I know show. the reference. Right? Yeah, like, doesn't he look he does. like Arthur Shelby? Like, I, holy smokes. I think if I was Arthur Shelby, though, I'd be pissed off you said that. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 think, I think if okay. I was that guy, I'd be like, what are you talking the, about? The tight and bright haircut. Yeah. He's got the mustache. He's yeah. Arthur Shelby. Sure. Um, uh, but I, I, I like the story. I, I always like stories of players that go about recreating themselves to stay in the game. Listen, we're seeing that story with Jimmy Vesey with the Rangers. Mm. We're seeing that with Derek Broussard now with the Ottawa Senators. Players that realize, okay, you know, growing up, I was always the star, and this is the way that I played. I can't play this way in the NHL. I'm not that guy in the NHL. Andrew Cogliano might be the best example of recent history of someone who was a stud scorer in, in, all the way up in his career, and they get to the NHL and says, I need to figure out a different way to play. Yep. And he became one of the best two-way players in the game. VC's doing that with the Rangers. Uh, and I, I love the story of the, of the goaltender that completely overhauls the way that he plays so he can stay in the game. So to me, the the mo- and how much of the Maple Leafs' fortunes are tied to the net. So for me, the most interesting storyline is Matt Murray. I, I think that's a great choice. I love the way that you broke it down. Um, I'm Piggy out. Blinders reference. Well, yeah, the Piggy is a good, good reference. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joining you at all on the Jimmy Vc thing. The, the Amazon series with Sheldon Keefe. Uh, yeah, I'm out. I'll never <laughs> buy an ounce of Jimmy Vc stock. That's all you. You can buy all the Jimmy Vc stock you want. <laughs> the most interesting thing that you left out there is yeah. that Matt Murray, as he's trying to remake himself, is now back under the tutelage of the guy who built up the 2016 version of Matt Murray, and yeah. that component of this is. Like if I wish that we were getting a true blue Amazon version, the real 24/7 look behind the curtain of the Leafs, because if I could have one look at anything and just know how one department is working right now, it's yeah. how they're splitting the goaltending thing. And one thing you've always been an advocate of, and I, I didn't even think about this before the answer, but you've always talked about extra specialization of goalies, right? Goalie yep. coaches, the goalies being handled just completely different within organizations. I, I wonder if the Leafs. Um, how the the cooking, how the operation is going to go. Who's the head chef? Who's the sous chef? You know, mm-hmm. who's going to end up having final say? Who's going to end up uh, having their opinion be the loudest? Can it be a beautiful working environment with a lot of harmony? Or is it going to be something that's a little contentious and breeds their own camps and has a little bit of Game of Thrones style drama? That's that's what I'd love to know. Jeff Merrick, um, I know you got to run. Um, have a great show today. Uh, Jeff Merrick, 32 Thoughts, Jeff Merrick Show. Excellent as always. Subscribe to both. Uh, leave five stars for both. Jeff, uh, I will be talking to you soon, buddy. Thanks. Bless you, JD. I'll see you at the shop. Thanks, pal. Be see well. You. See you, buddy. Jeff Merrick, 32 Thoughts. Um, yeah, the goalie thing is clearly... It's hard to choose something over the goalie thing. I, I keep trying to out Jeff Merrick, Jeff Merrick with some hipster choices about the Leafs. Can't do it. It's the goalies. The thing is, why the goalies are kind of boring, and I'll do more Leafs tomorrow. We got Justin Bourne. He's going to come in studio with me for the 10 o'clock hour. And... I just don't think that the, barring injuries, I, I just think the Leafs goalies are going to be solid. I don't view it as, everyone has kind of put it in the box of this is going to be boom or bust, and I just don't feel that way. I think it's just going to be, they're going to have above average goaltending. It's hard for me to believe that both of those goalies are going to completely bust out. Maybe one of them is, maybe there is drama, but I think that uh, it's just going to be good, but you're never going to be all that comfortable because Matt Murray's injury prone. How can you feel great about that? It's going to be the same questions as Campbell. We've prepared for this the entire time and what it was with Freddie Anderson. Uh, With that, it's time for action presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Uh... 
Josiah Bosch, no Pete Walker here today. Good, because Pete always loses. Um, if you pay attention to the show, Jobo and I are red hot. Nailed our picks again last night. Red hot. Um, absolutely crush it. And Pete just comes along and sewers the parlays every single weekend. And this is a guy who isn't here today, by the way, because he works for SN Bets. Like, guy works for SN Bets. Worst gambler I've ever met in my entire life. His one win this year was the flukiest play of the season where... Uh, it was a toss back play that ends up getting fumbled into the end zone with the time expired and we're celebrating him for this hit. Now it's time to come clean. The SN bets kid has not hit a bet all year, killing every single parlay. He sends us his bets every night and it's just one horrific bet after another. He hasn't, I don't think he's won a dollar. Um, I was at the blue Jays game with him. I took him to Aaron judge night. Um, he, he did win the Aaron Judge one. Yeah, because he, he did bet it every one. night for a, like the entire year. I'm just saying, year. he won at least a dollar. Yeah, he, he won, won at least a he dollar. Didn't, he didn't make a profit off of it. He lost. Uh, anyways, no. <laughs> Jobo, um, what do you like this week? What stands out to you? What was the early line that you said, huh, this is interesting this week? So the early line, actually, you, in part, mm. had a reference to earlier in the show today when, when you mentioned that the Sharks are always sent to Europe for the Europe games. Mm. Well, you know who the NFL always sends to London? The Jacksonville Jaguars. They've been eight times. And that was the line that stuck out to me this week. They're playing Indianapolis, not in London, uh, in the States. But they're underdogs. And that kind of surprised me because mm. the Jags beat the Colts 24 to nothing a couple weeks ago. I know they had a stinker against Houston, but, like, it happens. Uh, they stuck with Philadelphia. just didn't have the maturity to close out that game. They went out big and then kind of, you know, it looks like they kind of lost their composure. And the Eagles are 5-0. and They're a good team. And they came back and scored 20 points in the second. But... I mean, bad game against Houston. They're going to turn up. I, I'd, I'd say the Jags should not be underdogs in this game. Okay. Yeah. To me, it's the similar mentality. I don't think the Chiefs should be three-point underdogs. Again, this is just this isn't a pick. Um, these are just the lines that stick out to us early in the week. And the Chiefs just had this incredible comeback last night. They look awesome. Uh, their defense looks solid. Again, that that game probably is even more of a blowout for Kansas City had the Chris Jones penalty not happened. And I just don't. I, I don't believe I, I think Buffalo is actually the best team in the NFL. I think their defense has been phenomenal this year. I wouldn't even have a problem if they were one point favorites, but to spot the chiefs, a field goal at arrowhead, even though it is a short week and Buffalo has the whole revenge angle. It just, it's a bit of a strange line to me. Anyway, uh, we'll see later in the week if that ends up being an actual play for us. Uh, that was time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Greg Jennings is going to jump back on the show. Super Bowl champion and Pro Bowl receiver. After a quick break, we're going to play a game called concern or calm. Is it, are we concerned about certain things in the NFL right now? Or should we just chill out? That's next with Greg Jennings. Sportsnet 590, the fan. A fun game last night. Missed all my bets, but who cares? Did I buy the Raiders for that last second comeback thing about Carlson? And did I want to shove Devontae Adams the way that he shoved? I don't even know what that guy's job was, but that stinks. That stinks for that guy. He's just walking around and all of a sudden NFL player just shoves you on your ass in front of everybody. Makes you look like a little baby. Oof. Like, yeah, here's a guarantee. Devontae Adams, infinity times stronger than that dude and being unprepared for it probably hurt. And then he tweets. He's like, I'm sorry. That wasn't me. You just... 
And he kind of blames him, though, too. He's like, ah, you just sort of jumped out of nowhere, so I don't know what I was supposed to do. It's like, most people just stop, bro. <laughs> most people just stop before just shoving people. But I get it. You were pissed. You bobbled that ball. You cost me my bet. It's cool. He did have two touchdowns, but whatever. Uh, Greg Jennings, Super Bowl champion and Pro Bowl receiver. What's up, buddy? How we doing? You ever shove uh, anybody uh, work, working on sidelines? <laughs> Nah, yeah. not at all. No. Not at all. <laughs> and uh, that was inexcusable. But, I mean, hey, I, I can't even – I'm not going to defend Devontae. Yeah. <laughs> that was just inexcusable. I, he was obviously pissed about the review because the bobble it, – man, it's it's so got to be so frustrating as a receiver in some of those situations. Like the toe tap that he has is incredible, right? And the ball just bobbles like a split second. To me, it's like, no, you caught the ball. But review, it's obvious, it's clear, it gets overturned. And then, yeah, he's probably pissed off. Anyway, I kind of get it. The guy did sort of come out of nowhere. And it was funny to me, so I actually support it. <laughs> you know, it was funny. As long as the guy's not hurt, aggressively hurt. Plus, maybe Greg, uh, maybe uh, he, Devontae ends up doing something nice for him. Um, okay, so I want to play a game with you today called Concerned or Calm. Um, essentially you tell me if something is actually concerning you or whether you're calm about it. You don't really care. You don't think it's a big deal right now. Let's start with this one. Cause it's relevant from last night. Um, roughing the passer penalties. Um, we end up with two of them this weekend that really shifted a game and the chiefs end up winning. So it becomes less of a story, but it was so bad that apparently Chris Jones was saying, uh, that car was laughing saying he didn't know how the hell that got called. Um, concerned or calm about the state of roughing the passer. I'm concerned. I'm concerned because you're putting not only quarterbacks in a in a compromising situation, you're putting defenders more importantly in a compromising situation because you're asking them to take away their instinctive ability to just pin their ears back and go rush the passer. Like think about what you, what what it's called. We want these guys to rush the passer, but when they get there they got to let up a little bit. Like no one in life does that. Like you, you finish through the, you've always been taught to run through the finish line, like finish through the whistle, all these things. But now you're asking 300 plus pound guys or any defender for that matter to when they get home, just be mindful of the rules that are in place. Don't throw them to the ground too with too much ferociousness, ferociousness or velocity. And if you're going to land on them, you got to try to get off of them. Don't let gravity have what it always does, which is just control over you falling. (laughs) Yeah. I I just, the NFL is in such a tough spot with this one, right? Because they're going, all right, we just had this horrific injury to Tua. We want to protect the most valuable position, which is quarterback. But fans are clearly pissed off, and this has gone way too far. But what are we supposed to do in terms of, like, rolling it back? Because then we're putting our most valuable commodities at risk, which are quarterback. Like, I would actually hate to be in the NFL head office today having these discussions of what the hell they do. Because it's pretty clear they got to do something, and you're bang on that this is a real concern. I just don't know where the hell they go with the solution for this, other than replay. But everyone always says replay, but then we, we put replay into effect like we did with passer interference. And it goes, oh, this is hell. <laughs> like we've ruined, we've made it worse. How did we make it worse? Yep. It's just like replay never seems to work. So yeah, it's a tough one for them. Uh, concern or calm? Um, the Bengals offense. I'm going to say calm. I'm going to say calm. And I'm saying calm because I trust that they will figure it out. I do. They got, they got the quarterback. They got the receivers. They even have a, somewhat of a running game that they forget about often. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, they, the, the pieces are there. The offensive line is coming together. You're not seeing Joe Burrow hit the ground as much. Uh, so I'm going to say calm. Yeah, uh, right. They they got the running game going a little bit last week um, against Baltimore, which was nice to see. But it I was so high on the Bengals this past offseason. I just I really thought, hey, the, they're being slept on as Super Bowl contenders. Their defenses looked pretty much what I expected them to. But yeah, early on, I guess it takes a while for offensive lines to coalesce. And so we should probably be more patient with them. But yeah, Burrow's gotten the ball out quick. It's another week where Chase was kind of eliminated a, l- a little bit. Um, throwing a lot of picks and still um, only two rushing TDs. Uh, concern or calm the Rams as contenders? Concerned. They're, they're not a contender this year. Yeah. They're, they're just not. When you look at them both, you can start with the defense. They, they got two players that if they don't have impact plays throughout the game, they struggle defensively. And, and, and Aaron Donald and obviously Jalen Ramsey. And then you have pretty much a quarterback and a receiver because nothing else looks good right now for the Rams. The acquisition of Allen Robinson is like, why'd you even do it? Matthew Stafford doesn't even look his way. Uh, Tyler Higby has been a little bit of a bright spot, but it's all about Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. And at some point, that will probably won't run dry, but it won't produce enough to to equate to contending it for another Super Bowl. Okay, this is this one wasn't on the list, but you you're the guy to ask about this because you've had a heavy workload before, and I do think that in our assessment of running backs, a lot of times we always talk about like the car crashes, right? And how man a running back goes through so much, and it's why the careers can end earlier than um, the average player. But for a receiver, um, the physical toll can also be immense. And the rate in which Cooper Cup is going, he's going to be targeted more than any player in NFL history. Now this is a, a, a league that has 17 weeks, right? Concern or calm for just Cooper Cup's health? That is concerning. That is very concerning, especially when, you know, uh, I play with Calvin Johnson. And part of the reason why he retired, a large part of the reason why he retired so quickly and was because of his overusage and his inability to feel like I was going to have a normal life after football. So mm. it plays a role It play, and it takes a toll. And I think right now it's like, okay, it looks it looks good from a stat, stats perspective, but physically I, I would, I would guarantee you that Cooper Cooper cup would love to have other guys involved. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, every, he's getting thrown so much right now. I'm like, this is just, this is a recipe for disaster. And everybody likes watching this guy play, but he's the only thing that's working in the offense. As you mentioned, um, you played in London, uh, two touchdowns, by the way, uh, pretty nice, pretty good stat line for your, for your London game. Uh, but you had a bye week after, um, concern or calm the giants and Packers both playing this week. Um, I'm calm. I'm calm with that. I don't think it's a big deal as much as we make it. Uh, obviously, the mm. the traveling over, um, you, you you switch the time on, on guys, but you come right back the night of the game. And so you have a full week to kind of recover. Um, it's going to be a light week. They're probably going to treat it like a, uh, a Sunday to Thursday week where you're just going to do a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of – a lot of meetings, uh, not as much physical toll or load 
put on your player. So I wouldn't be, I'm not concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, you were probably feeling a little different than guys, too. You know, two touchdowns, you're like, I did my job. Uh, everybody's writing about me this week. I'm feeling good on the plane. <laughs> so I had a nap. Nobody was bothering me during film study this week. I was like, yeah, that was me. I got those two touchdowns. Uh, concern or calm? Keenan Allen tweeting about Brandon Staley's decision-making. That is concerning. Oh, yeah. That is concerning simply because that's, a, that's one of your marquee guys in the locker room. Basically, that's in the locker room. He's in the loop basically communicating how they feel like that's not just the one guy off the whim saying, what are we doing? Nope. Nope. This is, this is, a uh, uh, an abundance of feelings that are just now it's, it's, it's outpouring. It's just coming out. I'm, I'm watching it, not from the sideline, but from home. And I'm like, dude, we, what are we doing? We keep doing this. And so it's, and it and sometimes it works, but more than not, more more often than not, it has not worked out. They missed the playoffs last year because of, you know, this analytics, if you will. Yeah, I'm not anti analytics, and this point has been made by a lot of people at this point, but I, I I'm completely lockstep with it, which is you have to have a better feel for your room and your team. Like I, I think about the Ravens a couple of years ago and the moment where they like really took off was on one of these fourth down decisions, right? It was Lamar Jackson in Seattle and he's looking at his sideline saying, I want to go for this. And he goes for it and they punch in a touchdown and they're on the road yeah. and it propels Lamar into this like MVP season. But that's because you're looking at your guys and you're making the decision together. And the thing that would scare me if I'm a Chargers fan, like all three of them is Okay, so Brandon Staley seems very set in his way that this is the way that we're going to do things. We're going to take all the human element out of it. We're just going to stick to the roboticness of it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Keenan Allen's not only just like respected in that room, he's like one of the most respected receivers in the NFL. Like his route running is a thing of legend. He's obviously a guy who can like perform at an extremely high level. So for him to be saying this, like, I kind of feel like Brandon Staley, you either have to make an adjustment right now and get a better sense of the room or you have lost it or it's already lost. Yeah, you're hundred percent correct. You think about, think about this, like what offensive wide receiver doesn't want to go for it? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. naturally we're like, no, we go for it now. But when we've done it, and it's like we, we see we put our defense in a bad spot or it hasn't worked out because we've lost games because of it. Now it's like, okay, I get it. We want we all want to go for it, but we got to be smart. Like analytics, I'm with you. I'm all about the analytics until it's just a it's, – it's a common sense play. Yep. Like, yep. boom, just, just kick the field goal or <laughs> punt the ball. Give yourself a chance. Like you, you almost forego a chance or give the other team a better chance, which Brandon Staley has been doing. And it just so happened it worked out for them because the Browns missed the field goal. Yeah, pure luck. Um, You get away with it. But boy, I, I did wonder if they hit that if he's still the coach of that team. That's how hot seat it does feel like right now. Um, last one, concern or calm, Kenny Pickett behind uh, a battle line and starting for one of the worst teams in football as a rookie. So I'm, 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 I'm right down the middle on this. I'm concerned because you got to protect your, your, your future. And he's clearly going to be the future for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm calm because of how Kenny Pickett plays and because of 
the vibrato that he plays with and just the, the his demeanor. Everything about him is like, you know what, we'll figure it out, we'll get it done. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw a throw in the towel. I'm not gonna start driving the bus over my offensive line. I gotta get the ball out. He's gotta learn as they have to gel. Like he's gonna have to be better as far as getting the ball out a little quicker and protecting his offensive line and understanding that I don't have the type of protection. The same thing could be said with Joe Burrow, but mm. when you look at this this unit, they're going to struggle, but when they all grow and continue to progress and mature together, this unit, because they're so young, because they would have been tried and have so much experience, they're going to be pretty good. Greg Jennings, uh, again, Super Bowl champion, Pro Bowl receiver, and uh, two touchdown passes. Uh, caught in uh, his London game. Uh, We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Thanks for this. Absolutely. Have a good one. See you, man. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and we'll talk to you tomorrow when we expand to two hours. Get ready. All you crybabies crying about one hour. It's two hours now. Let's go.